How's everybody doing? Hoping you're having a fantastic day. I'm over here, a uh, beautiful Thursday. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice balmy, uh, probably like 65, 70 degrees here in North Carolina. <clears throat> but I'm still sick. Uh, Augustine is sick. That is my son. And then my wife is also sick. So rip. But uh, I came across something in my morning reading that I thought would be very helpful. It has to do with some of the dangers which are surrounding a too heavy of a reliance on private revelations, and especially the uh, the usage of these private revelations for those who are new in the faith, that actually it can be quite damaging uh, to someone's growth in the spiritual life. And it's something that I see uh, in, in the circles I kind of run in, uh, I guess. I have a lot of friends uh, who would identify strongly as traditionalists. Uh, they take a lot of... Um, a lot of, uh, on the one hand, uh, spiritual things uh, from private revelations, which that often isn't too terrible. I mean, a lot of these people uh, writing the uh, writing the private revelations down are saints or blesseds. So they obviously have a lot of intuition when it comes to the spiritual life. But what's more dangerous is when you start uh, reading geopolitical history or even the doctrines of the church uh, through the lens of, uh, of private revelations rather than giving uh, due study to, first of all, uh, the public revelation of sacred scripture, the tradition, and then its promulgation by the Holy Magisterium of the Church. But before we get into that, uh, there is something cool that I wanted to announce. Uh, people have been asking me a lot about short books when it comes to the development of doctrine. Everybody's always asking me, well, what's what's a good book? Uh, you, you've said that Newman isn't exactly the, the best option when it comes to learning about this. Uh, again, Newman was a Protestant when he was writing the essay on the development of doctrine, and he actually reversed a few of his opinions throughout his career. Uh, what, what's, what's a good, nice, succinct uh, tract on the development of doctrine, and most importantly, in English? Because there's a lot of stuff in Latin, not much stuff in English. Well, I stumbled upon a work by Father Thomas Gilby uh, of the Order of Preachers. Uh, this was written, I want to say, about 80 years ago. And it's an appendix in one of his translations of the Summa on the development of doctrine. And it's really, really, really good. So definitely, uh, link is in the description. Uh, go check this out. And then if you uh, become a patron or are a patron, uh, I would highly suggest that you become a patron. Because if you like uh, work like this, definitely uh, put your money where your mouth is, uh, so to speak. Uh, if, if you like work like this and you want more work like this to get done, uh, definitely consider contributing. But uh, I will be putting the PDF to this on my Patreon for all of my patrons to read as they may. Uh, I will do that actually as soon as I get off the stream. So uh, definitely check this workout, link in uh, description, or if you go to patreon.com slash Thomas, you can just get the PDF uh, for free. So back to it. Um, I was reading in the Casuist. Uh, this is where this is covered. So the Casuist, if you don't know, is a five-volume collection of what basically was a journal um, that ended up, uh, it, it was a journal. There were these uh, cases of conscience or uh, these various issues of canon law or moral theology, which were submitted and answered in this journal by a group of experts back in the early 20th century. So there's a lot of good stuff when it comes to uh, moral theology in general, the casuist. I think it's five or six volumes 
Uh, if you if you look on archive or Google Books, you can find it. But there was a question uh, concerning private revelation and analyzing how it can be helpful or or harmful to various individuals. Uh, so I definitely wanted to uh, share what I read with everybody because I think this is something which is uh, which has a lot of import uh, in our contemporary uh, Catholic scene. So this is uh, case number 30 concerning the perusal of private revelations. There are many persons, especially women endeavoring to lead a holy life, who occupy themselves a great deal with so-called revelations made to pious persons, even to the exclusion of all other spiritual reading matter. Sometimes such persons study the revelations made to some particular saint, drawing all their spiritual nourishment from them. Then, having their appetite whetted by the perusal of one book of this kind, they eagerly devour anything of the same nature that they are able to lay hold of. They believe in these revelations as firmly as they believe in the Gospels, and are strongly disposed to brand as heretics, or at least suspect, all who do not put the same faith in them as they do themselves. This disposition alone is sufficient to prove that the perusal of these private revelations is not a healthy spiritual exercise for all indiscriminately, and it becomes necessary from time to time to instruct the faithful on this head. Notice uh, what's, what is being said here versus what's not being said here. What is being said here is that private revelations can become dangerous, especially to, uh, to women, um, especially to the young, especially to those who are spiritually immature. It, it, can, um, it can become very dangerous, uh, especially uh, when you are in a certain position where you take these private revelations to be on par with public revelation that is the gospels and you brand uh, those who may disagree on the on the content of these private revelations or the interpretation or even uh, the validity of some of those that haven't had the mark of authenticity stamped by the church you brand them as departing from the faith that is something which is very dangerous that is what it is saying what it isn't saying is that uh, private revelations are completely useless uh, we're going to get into uh, the true usefulness uh, a bit later that there may be that there have been and that there are at time, at present, <coughs> revelations made to private individuals is beyond question. Notice, uh, this isn't against all types of private revelations or against the, the validity of any of them. We are speaking, of course, of revelations made to holy and devout persons, which have been investigated by the church and declared to contain nothing against faith or good morals. Notice, uh, also, it's very popular to... Uh, support or prop up certain private revelations that haven't gone through this process of being investigated by the church. It is very important uh, to have proportionality uh, between you, the type of human faith that you give in a certain uh, revelation and its uh, extrinsic <coughs> validity as supported by the church. Sorry if I just destroyed your eardrums by that cough. I'll try to be better uh, with my other coughs. No positive ecclesiastical approbation is ever given to such revelations. That is, that uh, some of these revelations that these people are, are following. When the church revises and approves revelations and visions in this sense, all she does is to certify that these visions and revelations contain nothing against the rule of faith, the regular fide, so that the faithful may believe them without injury to the faith and use them as a guide to conduct without fear, uh, without fear of believing or doing anything unauthorized by the church. 
So what, what does the church do when she authorizes these private revelations? All she's saying is that there's nothing in here that is against the faith. She's not saying that every single last word is somehow perfectly preserved, or even that there is a certain uh, inerrancy to the, to the message that's given. All it's saying is that there isn't anything positively against the faith. This is actually similar to the way in which the church deals with the writings of uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. The, the uh, specific approbation is that where, where the church has not um, decided explicitly against uh, certain positions of St. Thomas, uh, we can think about certain positions of his on holy orders. Uh, unfortunately, he did uh, err in this respect. Although I can see the argument for how he didn't, uh, and he definitely didn't err when it came to the Immaculate Conception, that's Cope. Um, but besides those issues, everything else in St. Thomas is safe. There's nothing uh, manifestly against faith or morals in St. Thomas. Or it's the same thing with St. Alphonsus Liguori, that St. Alphonsus Liguori's moral theology, there is uh, nothing in there explicitly uh, that it would be damaging to morals. It's something which is safe. Uh, same with these private revelations. There's nothing against the rule of faith if they're authorized by the church. <sighs> Where the church has thus given her approval to any particular private revelation is no longer permitted to ridicule or despise it. Uh, Cardinal Frangela says it is not uh, permitted to um, despise uh, so uh, such great revelations. To do so uh, were to fail in the respect due to the church but not to believe the revelation is no sin against the obedience we owe to the church. For the church, by her approval or quasi-approval of these revelations, has no intention of obliging the faithful to believe them. So the church is not um, intending to promulgate these uh, to us. It's a strictly negative judgment. Whoever believes in them, <coughs> whoever believes in them, does so fide humana, that is human faith, obviously, and not fide divina, that is divine faith and at least not fide divina catholica. So when it comes to our belief in these, it is something of purely human faith. We believe them on the basis of um, certain intrinsic and extrinsic approbations. Whereas when it comes to the uh, divine revelation, uh, divine public revelation, that is, with uh, divine public revelation, we believe it with fide divina, uh, that is divine faith. Uh, not due to any intrinsic arguments uh, on its behalf, but due to the uh, due to the extrinsic authority of God revealing. Uh, that's not on the basis in which we believe in these private revelations. Rather, it's on human faith. That is the external authority of a saint or a blessed or whoever it may be. So this is a very important quote right here. Uh, and this kind of uh, stings a bit, I guess you could say, for for some people who uh, who do fall into um, an over exaggeration of private revelations. In spiritual things, says Catherine Emmerich, I never believed anything except what was revealed by God and proposed for my belief by the Catholic Church, that is, Fide Divina Catholica. What I saw in visions, I never believed in this way. So her belief in public revelation, completely different uh, in, in the belief that she has in her visions, because again, they are on the basis of human faith. The body of revealed truth necessary to salvation and bearing the seal of infallibility was completed and closed once for all by the teaching of Christ and the apostles. <coughs> when the church defines a new dogma, she simply declares authoritatively that it is contained in the teaching of our Lord and the apostles. 
just as private revelations do not bear the seal of infallibility, so neither do they bear the mark of inerrancy. So infallibility, for those who don't know, infallibility is the impossibility to error. Scripture is infallible. I do a little highlight right there. Inerrancy, on the other hand, is the fact that something does not contain any error. So, uh, for example, if you, uh, your, your calculator, I guess, uh, if you go in your calculator uh, and you do one plus one equals two, that calculator is not infallible. Uh, there, there's a possibility that that calculator could err in something uh, just, just because it's, uh, it's something of human creation. But uh, when it comes to the calculator's calculation of one plus one equals two, that is something which is inerrant. It's without error. So very many things uh, in our day-to-day -day life might be inerrant, but they're not infallible. Now, when it comes to these private revelations, not only are these private revelations not infallible, they're also not inerrant. Uh, it goes on to say, there is no divine inspiration guaranteeing the correct recording of private revelations, as is the case with Holy Scriptures, even though the fact of the revelations has been established. So even if the church says that, uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll think of uh, the, the certain revelations made of Fatima. The revelations of Fatima, uh, they are something uh, that the church has said uh, is a case of private revelation. Uh, that's beyond dispute. But uh, the church has not said that all of the revelations as recorded are without error. Um, that's not something the church has said. Private revelations are exposed to threefold danger. The understanding may err in receiving the revelation. So the, the person might uh, just uh, mis, uh, misunderstand what's going on. Second, the memory may fail in recording orally or in writing the contents of the revelation. They might just forget what they said, uh, what was said to them. And third, the tongue may err in its effects to clothe the revelation in human words. Uh, it's very difficult uh, to speak of mysterious and divine realities so they might just misspeak or misdescribe uh what's going on even while they may remember it very clearly uh, sometimes in life there are especially in theology <coughs> it is very difficult uh to uh, correctly express what's going on moreover as benedict the 14th remarks Notions and ideas acquired previous to the revelation may uh, be confounded by the person receiving the revelation with the things learned in the revelation. And thus the saints have sometimes considered things to have been revealed to them, which were in no wise revealed. Hence the contradictions in different revelations. So, uh, for example, uh, a great example is St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, he, he is known to have received private revelations. Um, he was one time working on his commentary in the book of Isaiah and Saints Peter and Paul uh, showed up and helped him interpret that section of Isaiah. Now, let's say it was passed down to us which section of Isaiah was uh, the interpretation of which was revealed to St. Thomas. Would that mean that all of a sudden that is the um, inerrant interpretation of that section of Isaiah? Now, that uh, private revelation would... Uh, garner some sort of extrinsic authority to uh, what went on there. But uh, St. Thomas might uh, mix up some of what was revealed to him with some of uh, his previous reflection on the prophet Isaiah uh, when he writes it down. 
uh, a lot of times people uh, in private revelations will mix in some of their own uh, spiritual reflections with what was revealed to them. <coughs> the supernatural communication, therefore, as well as its reception, as in its transmission, may be unwittingly falsified. The Holy Scriptures alone are preserved from such falsifications. And thus it happens that the private revelations of different holy persons contradict one another openly and in many things. All that the church says, therefore, when she lends her approval to the private revelations of the saint or any other holy persons, is that these revelations may be believed fide humana, and that they are adapted, may be used for the edification of the faithful. The declaration of Benedict XIV does not contradict this. Quote, when the church has examined and approved these visions, no one may uh, any longer doubt their supernatural and divine origin. The Pope speaks only of their origin and not of all their contents, nor of their correct reproduction. And even a refusal to believe in their divine origin would not be a sin against Catholic, Catholic faith. After these theoretical remarks, let us add a few words of a practical nature. The reading of these visions and private revelations is in no wise adapted to the needs of ordinary people, even though they may have correct notions about the credibility of private revelations. So up to this point, you may think, great, I now know all about the theoretical aspects of how private revelation works in relation to divine faith, human faith, infallibility, inerrancy, the approval of the church, and so on and so forth. <coughs> but even if you have that knowledge, it still doesn't mean that uh, reading these things is right for you. Uh, it definitely doesn't mean that. Many of these revelations are beyond the needs and the intelligence of even, uh, of, even of persons already far advanced in the spiritual life and are often clothed in language quite unintelligible. So uh, the, oops, so the um, chances are uh, you are not one of the people and I'm not one of the people and a lot of uh, everybody else listening are not the type of people where these type of private revelations are going to be something which is going to be intelligible and is going to uh, help advance you in the spiritual life at the state you're in. And herein precisely lies a new source of anxiety because a new danger, namely the danger of understanding the revelation in a wrong sense, which may easily lead to positive error and a sin against the rule of faith. So actually, these things can uh, become dangerous uh, if you're not uh, prudently reading them under the, uh, under the guidance of a good spiritual director and at an advanced state. And for most of you, that's, that's probably not the case. Besides the danger just mentioned, there is another, namely the danger of a one-sided and an imperfect direction in holiness and of laying great stress on trifles and things of secondary importance. This is huge. You need to have a certain proportionality uh, when it comes to uh, the way in which uh, you approach these things. I think it was uh, St. Catherine of Siena um, that, that recommended uh, all of uh, the, the sisters under her charge um, and, and herself practiced. Um, the, uh, did, did she have sisters under her charge? I can't precisely remember her life story right now. Sorry. Mine's cloudy because of sickness. <clears throat> but she recommended that um, her fellow sisters or sisters under her charge, I can't remember uh, which one at the moment, uh, would contact uh, eminent theologians 
uh, around Europe. Because there's always the danger, even while uh, they're very advanced in the spiritual life, of falling under their own delusions. And that one should be firmly grounded in the teaching of the theologians and of the church. So as to have correct proportionality. Because uh, the, the truth of the incarnation is far more important than, let's say, a truth about correct, uh, certain correct liturgical practices. Uh, let's say, uh, wearing the right color on Sunday. Um, those, those are, uh, I mean, correct liturgical practices are very important, don't get me wrong. But you need to have the correct proportion between the various truths. And when it comes to a uh, frequent recourse to private revelations, often you can have the wrong type of proportion. So, but what is worse of all is that the reading of these revelations gives rise to a secret spiritual pride. It makes silly, pious people. <laughs> makes silly, pious people. I, I don't know how I'm supposed to uh, read this. I don't know if silly and pious are supposed to both be adjectives or uh, for people or if silly is supposed to be... Um, somehow uh make silly is somehow like a verbal phrase or something i have, I have no idea but make silly pious people for it is such persons that are most addicted to this kind of reasoning that imagine themselves further advanced in the ways of perfection than others and think that uh, they know more about matters of faith and morals than most other people even more than the priests themselves very important don't let uh these <coughs> Private revelations give way uh, to the sort of uh, spiritual pride that you that you somehow um, now know this uh, sort of secret gnosis. Um, I'm sure we all can think of a of a certain figure who often uh, gives recourse to this, who I will not name. So uh, it may cause some surprise if we add a warning from members of religious orders, especially of women. As a general rule, it is not advisable to make use of histories of private revelations made to pious and holy persons for general community reading. And those in authority in religious communities should be very slow to allow individual members of the community to make use of the same for their private reading. Women in religious orders who are endeavoring to lead holy lives are more apt to evince a weakness for what is extraordinary than for what is extraordinary in their quest to perfection than their sisters in the world. They prefer the revelations of St. Bridget or St. Gertrude to an ordinary uh, introduction to the spiritual life. And it is precisely those who are by no means firmly grounded in the spiritual life who hanker after what is high, uh, higher before they understand or put into practice the most ordinary and necessary requirements of spiritual growth. In the case of religious, the evil effects of this kind of reading are more pronounced and more disastrous than the case of lay people. And they sometimes create disturbance and division in the entire convent. Some may think these remarks and warnings too severe, even exaggerated. In such indeed were the case, uh, did we apply them a priori to all private revelations. They hold good only of those who read indiscriminately without selecting especially revelations made to holy persons long gone by and by which are uh, profoundly mystic, uh, not to say apocalyptic, um, apocalyptic in their presentation. Simple books and books that may be readily understood, like the visions of Catherine Emmerich concerning the life and sufferings of our Lord and his blessed mother, are much to be preferred to others. We would even recommend them. Okay, and that, that final note is very important. 
because some of these books, uh, the way in which they are presented, are actually uh, very useful. Um, okay, that is all I have. I don't see anything in the live chat. So uh, before we go, um, I wanted to let you know about something I have, uh, I'm going to be working on, the New Aquinas Academy. Uh, this is going to be uh, brief uh, sort of reading groups uh, that we do uh, through the writings of St. Thomas Aquinas. It's going to be taking uh, place in a Discord server. You can get the link on uh, christianbwagner.com slash New Aquinas Academy. Um, and then also, uh, since it's completely free, uh, because I want to make it as wide as possible, um, I'm, I am going to be uh, relying completely on donations for this. So definitely, uh, if you have the means, uh, consider uh, clicking on that donate button right there, which will take you to uh, the Patreon uh, for the new Aquinas Academy. Uh, so that's all I have for you. Uh, thank you and God bless.